0: everybody, welcome to Therapy for Humans, the podcast where if you're not careful, you might just pick up some tips on how to survive as a more or less psychologically intact human in the modern world. My name is Rowan, and I'll be your host. Welcome to episode three of Therapy for Humans. Man, it's like fall all of a sudden here. I don't know what's happening if you're not in Durango, but we got cold and we got rain and we got all kinds of things that we're not used to having here, and uh, I kind of like it. I'm a New England boy, so this kind of thing feels a little like home to me, even though I don't like that much of it anymore. But the wood stove's cranking. The dog's, like, completely passed out in front of it. Cat's half dead on the couch. Everybody's just in sloth mode. Uh, Thanks for everybody who sent in email questions and voicemails. Um, If you want to get your stuff on the show, you can call me at uh, 1-844-Durango. It's 844-387-2646. And that is a voicemail-only line, so don't get nervous about calling that number and having somebody pick up that you have to talk to in person. Um, You can just talk as long as you want, and if you ramble on too long, I'll probably edit you down, or if you fuck something up and whatever, you know, I'll make you sound as good as possible. So give a call and let me know what you have to say. Or you can email me at rowan at therapy for humanspodcast.com. So we're going to jump in with an email and an email (laughs) from Jackie. So Jackie says, hi, Rowan. I've recently started a new job and I can't shake this feeling of not being good enough or like they made a mistake in hiring me. I've been getting decent feedback from my supervisors, but it doesn't seem to matter. What should I do? So hi, Jackie. Thanks for your email. This is actually a pretty common thing and it has a really sinister sounding name. The imposter Syndrome. Whoa, that was fun. <laughs> so the imposter Syndrome, also known as the imposter Complex. And basically, it's when we feel like an imposter or a fraud. We feel like someone has made a ridiculous mistake, and at any moment we will get found out, and they will fire us from our new jobs that we're so proud of. And holy shit, do I know what this feels like. Uh, when I was first, uh, when I was in grad school and I had an internship up at Fort Lewis College in the um, in the counseling center and I was older than a lot of the other folks in the internship program and so um, I don't know if that had anything to do with it or not, but I was the first one that they picked out of the group to start seeing clients and I was terrified and absolutely convinced that they had no idea what they were doing and how could you put me in a fucking room with somebody that needed help when I didn't know what the hell I was doing. It was Scary, really scary. (laughs) So this is another example of a time when we need to trust those around us and the feedback they are giving us. I touched on this last week around shame. Sometimes there are times in our lives when we feel so insecure that our thoughts of ourselves, our image and concept of who we are and how we're performing is so distorted that it literally cannot be trusted. So Jackie, you were hired because you were the best candidate for the job. You have to trust that. Trust those who hired you, trust those who are supervising you to know their jobs and maybe even know your job better than you do at this point. That's step one. Step two is to allow that voice that is telling you that you are in over your head and that you're not doing a good job and you basically suck to just be there. You don't have to make it go away. You just need to keep doing what you're doing. This goes for anxiety in general too. Often clients come in and they want to know how to make that feeling go away. That's really not the best goal because we all get anxious and insecure sometimes. The better approach is to raise your tolerance for that feeling. Get to a place where you can allow it to be there and still do you. I'll often suggest to my clients that they personify this feeling, that they give it a face and a name. It's like that annoying younger cousin that your mom used to make you hang out with when you were a kid. They just followed you everywhere and it was a drag, but you still did your best to kind of ignore them and go about your day. Same thing applies to these uncomfortable feelings. Greet them when they show up. Tell them that they're a pain in the ass and that you wish they weren't there and insisting on being part of your day-to-day. But if they are determined to be there, then fuck them. Let them hang around. You can still do your thing. And this actually accomplishes a couple of things. First, it lets you off the hook around making that voice or feeling go away. You can just let it be there. The second thing is that it removes it from who you are. It becomes this separate thing that shows up. It can feel less all-consuming that way, less threatening, less part of you, and more something that occurs. I hope that makes sense. So good luck, Jackie. Okay, so while we're on the subject of insecurity, let me tell you what happened to me this morning. It was an absolute shit show. So I've been working on this podcast and trying to promote it, and I was on a site called Alignable this morning, which is kind of like this LinkedIn thing that's kind of set up more locally. It's not a bad site. Um, I don't use it a whole lot, um, but uh, I happen to be on there and trying to figure out how I could put a link to the podcast on my profile. Anyway, it asked me if I wanted to send this thing out to all my contacts, and I thought it meant all my Alignable contacts. But apparently it went out to a shit ton, if not every single one of my contacts off my computer. I actually got three invitations from myself to myself on the various email addresses that I use. And I was like, oh, fuck, that felt really bad. Especially since I was gearing up to send a promotional email that morning, this morning, a couple hours ago, to most of the contacts that I have. Uh, And now they all just received this other thing, which is a pain in the ass. And now I'm feeling all insecure about sending the other email that I really wanted to send them. And some of them haven't heard from me in years. And I just started feeling really crappy about the podcast and about me and about what I'm doing here. And I just had to take a fucking breath and realize, okay, this is exactly what Jackie had emailed me about. I need to take some of my advice now and see if it works. I finished the emails and I sent them still feeling really insecure about it. I actually put a little blurb in the front of the email about the fuck up with Alignable. So kind of in a way, it gave me a reason to email them, me e, for me to email them, even though I was going to do it anyway. But it gave me kind of a, a way to apologize as well. So I heard this voice telling me that I was being a bother and that some of those folks never want to hear from me anyway, and that I should wait to send the emails or not send them at all. And I just tried to let that be in the room with me. And I pushed that fucking send button. And so on MailChimp, you get this thing before you send the email, this little graphic with a little monkey hand hovering over a big red red button, and the longer you wait, the more that hand starts to shake, and there's like these little beads of sweat <laughs> that come down off of the thing and like drip onto the button. So finally, I hit the button, the monkey hand holds up a little palm so you can high-five it, which I always do every time I send an email through MailChimp. Uh, and um, anyway, it reminds me that I'm not the only one that feels insecure about sending that stuff sometimes, And uh, and it's okay to just do it anyway. And then it got even worse. I sent the link. And then I was like, or I sent the email and I just had to like take a break from the computer. And I went in another part of the house and was doing some stuff. And I heard my computer and my phone are kind of blown up. And I'm like, oh my God. Okay. Everybody's like responding to this thing. I have no idea what they're going to say. And I started opening up the emails. And I had a couple of people that were like, hey, the link doesn't work. Like I can't listen to your podcast. (laughs) And I was like, what the fuck? I sent. The email, I sent a test email to myself with that link and I clicked on it and it brought me right where I needed it to go. But I guess because I'm already on the site and it recognized me, it sent me to my podcast. But if anybody else clicked on it, it sent them to this page that tells them how to set up their own podcast, which is really cool, but not what I wanted. Okay. So then I had to send out another email telling them that I fucked up again and sending another link that works, but... Oh, my God. So we are just all so fallible. And if you start thinking that you're the only one, you're just so, so wrong about that.
1: So sixth grader busted for trying to deal pot and communicating to other kids about the potential repercussions of it long term, since we don't have federal clearance for this yet so different impressions coming from parents whose spouses own some of these um, dispensaries versus parents who aren't connected to that and how we would discuss this with our kids to at the moment make it seem as though it is a uh, it is actually kind of a big deal i was sort of looking into it a little bit and it says if they are busted for this kind of thing because it is not federally okay that they may not get student loans they may not get to work for the federal government i mean there's certain things that they would turn off from so anyway i was just throwing that out there and ways we would be discussing this with our children and even though it is a very helpful thing to have for adults and also for kids as we know they need to have their uh, marijuana for certain things Uh, how do we propose this problem so to speak to our children Anyway, um thank you for podcasting appreciate it
0: okay so how to talk to your kids about weed in general that's kind of one piece of this and then you know the story about the sixth grader that got busted and you know federal loans so I've been hearing about you know because I work with a lot of teens and one of the things they get told a lot is you know if you get busted and you know this way or that way uh you won't be able to get federal student loans. Uh, I've never actually heard of that being followed through with, although I'm sure that it is an option that the federal government could exercise. Um, I really don't have enough information to say whether that actually happens one way or another, but I can say that I've never heard it happening. However, I think the bigger thing is that you have a sixth grader dealing weed and where are they getting it and what's going on with that and what's going on for them. Um, and so in terms of talking to your own kids, assuming that your child is not the one who's dealing weed is really having honest conversation about, you know, what feels right to them, ask them if this is scary or if this is not scary, if it seems normal to them. Um, is this new? Have they been exposed to this and try to make these conversations as kind of normal as possible and not like, okay, we need to sit down and we're going to talk to you about drugs But like, you know, especially like when you have in the car, you know, car rides are a great way to to hit your kids with stuff because they can't get away. (laughs) So but to try to bring it up as normally as possible, maybe talk about your own experiences with marijuana. This is a legal substance in the state of Colorado. It's a legal substance in a lot of other states now, too. And so we're going to have to help our kids with this shift of perspective because they're still getting information in the school systems especially, that are not in alignment with what the reality is out there, you know, on the street and in other people's homes and everything else. And it can cause a lot of anxiety for kids if they're hearing in the school system that drugs are bad, and marijuana is a drug, and it's really scary if you get caught with it. And then, you know, maybe your parents are smoking weed, or maybe you go over somebody else's house and their parents, you know, have weed around, which, you know, can happen. So again it's I think it's about normalizing. It's about not condoning usage, especially at you know the middle school level, I think, and yet make sure that they understand that you know responsible adult usage of this is perfectly acceptable in general. kids pick up on their emotional cues from their parents, which is a good thing because you get to help regulate them if they are worked up about something. If they're scared or uncertain or unsure or anxious and you're not, that's going to settle their system. If they come home and tell a story and that they're kind of worked up about and not sure how to respond to, and you go ballistic and freak out and start calling other parents and in front of them and like, you know, make it a huge deal, their anxiety is going to spike. So bottom line here is just to keep, Open as, open as possible those lines of communication and really get curious about what your kid's reaction and experience with this information is and then make sure that your reaction to that is kind of in alignment uh, and makes sense to them so that they can help to gauge whether they should be really worked up or if this is just a new experience that they need to kind of decide where they're at with. The last piece I'm going to talk about um, on this is that your kids are always going to be getting differing opinions. Um, and, you know, so the caller mentioned talking to other parents and some parents maybe have spouses that own dispensaries. And so they're coming from a different position than someone who maybe doesn't um, own or frequent a dispensary. So you're getting some different opinions. Your kids are going to get different opinions about this too. And that's okay. What's important is that they know that your household is an anchor for them. Is a place where they can come in with different opinions that they've heard, with different positions on a particular topic, and it will be discussed in a way that is respectful and so that they don't feel like they are locked into this one particular position. Because, again, that's anxiety producing. They're trying to figure out who they are, especially in that middle school age is intense and they're really like their identities are like gelling and they're really trying to figure it all out and you want them to be able to feel like they have the freedom to bounce things around off of you and get the important feedback that you know that you want them to have. And if it's presented well, and if it's presented in an, sort of an open enough way, they're going to receive it. If you try to jam one particular opinion down their throat, then they're going to push back on it. So unless it's a, you know, an aspect of, of immediate safety, Try to let them unfold into their own place with it. And more often than not, they're going to align with you because you are the people that they trust and that they've always trusted. Okay, we got another email question and this one is about social media. Um, and this person says, let's talk about social media. Um, that ho- always has me running around how everyone only shares their good side, how to be real on social media and truly share with a purpose, not humble bragging. Okay, so the- this is a huge issue. We get on our phones. We see that everybody else is absolutely crushing life and we feel worse and worse about ourselves. Facebook is not real. It's only what others want us to see. Do not be deceived. This can really do a number on those of us who tend towards low self-esteem to begin with. Often in session, I call this judging your inside by someone else's outside I don't remember where that came from. It was definitely up at Fort Lewis when I was up there. So maybe somebody up there came up with it or maybe they read it somewhere else. But anyway, You know, we only see what others want us to see, whether it's on on social media or or in person, and then we compare that to everything that's going on inside us, and we're never going to measure up that way ever. It's impossible because we're only seeing about others what they're allowing us to see. So we need to be really careful about making assumptions that that's actually what their lives really look like. You can also be a, a leader in this if you're brave enough to actually put out what your life really looks like. If you're, if you can kind of scale back from the, you know, super happy, super, you know, whatever, my life is awesome. Look what I'm having for dinner kind of uh, posts that we see so much of and put out there like, Hey, I had a really bad day. Um, and this is what happened. And the, the problem I think with this is that we all have people on our feed that only seem to post those sort of poor me, negative things and looking for sympathy stuff, which, you know, on the one hand, you hope that they're getting what they're looking for in terms of support. But on the other hand, it can be really fucking annoying and just sort of like, you don't want to deal with it. So, and most of us don't want to come off like that. And so where do you actually find that clear, true line of this is what my life looks like. Yesterday was fantastic. Today kind of sucked. And this is why, and I'm not looking for you to fix that for me. I'm just letting you know that not every day looks like yesterday looked. And maybe we need to try to start shifting that kind of information that we put out and be brave enough to put it out there when we're having a bad day, but not in ways that are going to make other people feel responsible for our well-being. Okay, and along in the same email, uh, there's another little piece which says, um, actually checking in on your mental health. You don't have to have a problem to talk to someone. And if you do, it is nice to have someone to bounce life content off of. Uh, I really feel like so many people think it needs to be so messed up and broken before you start talking to someone. Yeah, I actually love this. So yes, please do not wait until your life and your psychological well-being are trashed before you decide it's time to go talk to a therapist. Sometimes therapy is more about getting feedback and having someone you can confide in. It's not always about severe mental illness, trauma, or disaster. So don't put off that phone call if you feel like you need support or some some feedback that doesn't come with an agenda. Often it's hard to find someone in our lives that doesn't have their own agenda, even if it's well-meaning, you know, even if it's, you know, your best friend who has always kind of had a funky feeling about your partner or whatever. And like, and anytime you have an issue with your partner, they're like quick to like throw them under the bus and say, I don't know why you're still with them. And well, you know, Uh, a good therapist is going to listen to what you have to say and give you feedback based on that information free of any of that other kind of social shit that we all have with the people in our lives that we care about well thanks for joining me for another episode of therapy for humans if you liked what you heard and you want to try me out in person you're welcome to make an appointment with me you can reach me at 970-903-3893 to set up an appointment if you want to get your question or situation on the podcast you can call 1-844-Durango That's 1-844-387-2646. Or you can email me at rowan at therapyforhumanspodcast.com. So until next time, take care of yourself and take care of each other.